And now, from Greater Santon and beyond, get ready for the Santon Times Hour with your host, Alexander. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between and beyond, this is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and also available on all those good podcast platforms. I'm Alexander Leitner, and this is edition 130. It's week 36 of 2023. Hello, September, you beauty. And I'm excited to be with you again. If you'd like to send through your questions, comments, or feedback, you can do so visiting uh, your email, and uh, you can email editor at santantimes.ca.za. You can also visit your social media accounts and type in at santantimes and follow us there. Or visit the website and you can type in www.santantimes.co.za for more. And if you're listening live on Mix 93.8 and not at a later stage on any of the many platforms you can get the show on, well, the WhatsApp line is open 0848220938, 0848220938. A very special welcome to you if you live in Johannesburg or Pretoria or anywhere in Greater Gauteng across South Africa. And of course, wherever you are in the world or in the universe, online or on air, wherever you are, I'm happy to report that all is well in Santon land for another week. Always an interesting week in Santon. Never a dull moment. I'm joined once again by my left-hand man. It's uh, Vincenzo. Not that he's just left-handed, but like, you know, he's, you know what I mean. He's the left-hand man. And this is the week. The Rugby World Cup 2023 in France is almost upon us. And uh, a quick reminder that you can find all the first round match details on the Santon Times website, as well as all the Springbok game times and dates. So we've isolated those for you on the website, so you don't have to go and look for them extensively. And then, of course, there's the full schedule as well of all those first round of games. And uh, I must say, I'm really looking forward to the World Cup. I always enjoy a Rugby World Cup. And um, may the Springboks... Make us proud. Coming up on this week's show, talking about the Rugby World Cup, I'm joined by a former Springbok player to take a brief look at his outlook for South Africa in this year's tournament. Then the summer holidays are coming ever closer, and if you're planning to travel domestically, I've got an update for you on flight ticket prices, so stay tuned for that. After that, a Santon-based travel agency has left island-seeking holidaymakers out of pocket and without a holiday. I catch up with a journalist who has been following this case closely. Then, this is a packed show, let me tell you, I chat to an up-and-coming talent from Santon who has released her first ever single, which we'll be playing uh, a bit later on. And then finally, she's back to provide all her fans a dose of Whitney Houston's greatest songs, this and more, coming up in the Santon Times Hour this week. But let's get into the mood uh, for this hour, and uh, here's a song that has become synonymous with the Rugby World Cup. Solo Mio with World and Union on the Santon Times Hour on Mix. 93.8 Show some love Subscribe Share Leave a review and rating for the Santon Times Hour on your favorite podcast app now The best of Santon and beyond You're listening to the Santon Times Hour This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and available on all good podcast platforms and there we had it World in Union they always do one for the World Cup. I'm not quite sure if they've done one for 2023 yet. I haven't heard it yet, but uh, they always do a good job with it, and it just gets you in the spirit as the World Cup kicks off. 2023 Rugby World Cup in France. 
8th of September is when it all happens, when France versus New Zealand. And then it all ends on the 28th of October, 2023. And fingers crossed, the Springboks will be there for the final as they have done so three times over. But talking about the Springboks and talking about the World Cup, I'm thrilled to be joined by former Springbok Bob Skinstat on the line. Bob, thank you so much for making the time to be on the Santon Times Hour. No worries. It's good to be here, Alex. Thanks very much for having me. Well, Bob, you probably have flashbacks to your first Rugby World Cup and you probably can empathize with a lot of the guys as they prepare and get ready for probably the biggest uh, tournament of their life. Oh, big time. I mean, it's such an amazing tournament to be part of, you know, because it, it really captivates the whole world of, of, of rugby. Everybody who knows about rugby, even if your national team like might not be in the final 20, you would have been part of the qualifying. You would have, you know, you would be watching the big games and, and, you're just glued to that screen on, on, you know, the opening ceremony and then the opening match are always amazing because there's this history of, of who's gone before, who, who the host is, what the biggest match in the world is, etc. And, and that's going to start with an absolute bang in, in, in Paris on uh, the 8th of September. So, Bob, I mean, you've been out of the game for a little bit. I mean, you haven't been playing in a World Cup recently, but uh, you're probably keeping tabs on how the team is doing, how it's put together. What are your thoughts with the Springboks? Uh, have they got what it takes to take it all the way? Well, look, I, I have been out of the game, but I've broadcast on all of the World Cups. So, so I've been sort of close enough to see what people are thinking, to, you know, who, who's got confidence going into a tournament, etc. And we've always had this lovely traditional sort of view that South Africa play well when the games are tight, you know. So we... we We've got a chance. New Zealand uh, probably are, are probably the second best at, at World Cups. If you, if you think about the number of World Cups we've been, New Zealand been at nine, they've won three. We've been at seven and we've won three. So we've got a much better winning record than anybody in World Cups. We've also won two away from home, well, which New Zealand haven't been able to do. So, I mean, I think this one is, is different because it's quite wide open. You know, you, you can't say that at the last World Cup, everybody was scared about Ireland. Or everybody was scared about France because they weren't in the kind of form that they are in now. But suddenly they're, they're rearing their heads and they're, and they're knocking over sort of amazing teams with, with alarming consistency. You also can't say that people would have been scared of Argentina, you know, in, in, in the same way that, that, that Ireland are suddenly number one in the world. Argentina are the, are the giant killers of world rugby at the moment. You know, they've beaten in the last 18 months, they've beaten New Zealand, South Africa and Australia. You know, so uh, and 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 England. So I mean, you sort of think to yourself, well, this is a World Cup that that everybody is going to look at and say, there's a few more, we could, you know, bogeymen, bogey teams in the pools. So so we might see some quarterfinals that are, that are very different to what we used to. Interesting. Well, I, mean, I think we did see that in the in the in the FIFA World Cup as well on the soccer front, where suddenly teams appeared and performed uh, that hadn't really been on the radar at all. And it would be fascinating to see that happening in the Rugby World Cup. I mean, apart from the, like you said, the hot favourites that we always anticipate to do well, uh, it'd be interesting to see yep. if there are some up and coming teams that that really uh, surprise us all. So the Springboks have also been known to to be the team that uh, performs when it counts. I know there's been a lot of people in the build-up to the World Cup have said, mm, the team isn't quite there yet. There's a couple of things that they still haven't quite worked out. But uh, the Springboks, it's the kind of team that plays uh, when it matters. Uh, are you anticipating a similar sort of thing in the World Cup? Yeah, I think you're right. Eh? The Springboks have, have traditionally done very well in winning games that it, that you know, maybe the opposition or the rest of the world wrote them off in, if you know what I mean. When, when our backs are against the wall, we're, tough, we're a tough team to beat, which is a great reputation to have. It means that, you know, the harder it gets, the, the more likely we are to, to, to come out. And, and you've got to understand that in a World Cup, there's, there's about three or four extra factors that amplify the pressure 
you know, one of them is that every point matters. So every, every single instant in the game means something for where you end up in your pool. You know, if you, if you miss a kick at goal, if you miss a kick for touch, if someone doesn't, you know, convert a try, if someone misses a tackle, it could end up that that one point or two points, you know, puts you below someone else in your pool and therefore you don't qualify. So it's not like rugby championship where you go, we either win or we don't really care. If you know what I mean? Yeah. If we're in contention to be number one, we, we're excited. If, if we're battling Australia for sort of second and third, we don't care how we play. We, we go out there and we, we can pick any team and, and we can do it. In the World Cup, you can't really do that. You know, we've got this incredibly tough opening fixture against Scotland. Let's just say, you know, luck runs our way and we pick up a win there, but we don't get a bonus point. If we don't get a bonus point, our next two matches are, are incredibly critical. Well, our next match is then critical because we want to then have a bonus point win plus a normal win before we come up against Ireland. You know, if Ireland knock us over, but we get a bonus point, mm. we could still make it out of the out of the pool. But then Ireland-Scotland is a huge game. And then we want to get our full five points against Romania. You know, so, uh, and nobody... Nobody that I know is is focusing as much as I am on Tonga. I think Tonga could knock over a really big team this World Cup. I think they've got a fantastic backline. They might need to be a little bit more organised in in the forwards, but they've they've got some, you know, European club rugby winning forwards in their starting lineup, and they've got some World Cup winning backs in in their backline. I mean, Malachi Fakatoa, you know, he's, he's Played 45 times for the All Blacks, and, and he's, he'll start in the back line for, for Tonga. I mean, that's a serious team to come up against, especially when you need to guarantee a five-point uh, victory. So I think, I think those factors add to that pressure. You know, they add to what happens week in and week out. And then the press jumps on it, you know, and then, you know, fans back home are, are sending messages that, are, that might be negative in the week and you get down on yourself. I mean, it, it really is a cauldron of, of extra pressure. And, and that's why teams who can put that to one side and deliver on the day and maybe play a slightly tighter type of rugby, which is what we as the Springboks do, you're in, you've got an advantage. You know, it's not the kind of rugby that I was known for or liked to, to, to play, but it was effective rugby. And, and it was rugby that I was happy to be part of in a team. You know, if you score two tries in a match, but you grind it out because your defense is amazing and you don't make mistakes, I'm also a happy player. Tremendous. Well, listen, I think we're all with the Springboks and I mean, it would be amazing to bring in another victory considering we just did it in 2019, which feels like a decade ago after COVID and after the lockdown. I know, it's gone so gone so quickly, hasn't it? It has indeed. But uh, here we are again and uh, all our hopes and dreams are with the team and uh, Bob Skinstad, former Springbok player. It's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you on the Santon Times Hour and thank you so much for your input. No worries. Thanks very much for having me and just remember all the fans out there, South Africa, the Team can't do it without our support. Well, that's a good message to send out there. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back after this. The best of talk and music in one hour. This is the Santon Times Hour. From Greater Santon to the rest of the world, this is the Santon Times Hour. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and available on all good podcast platforms wherever you are in the world. 
And, uh, well, talking about the Springboks, talking about uh, the World Cup, uh, one of those brands that has been very closely associated with the Springboks, well, they do a, a regular catch-up. I think it's like an annual thing where we look at uh, what the outlook is for domestic flights and travel ahead of the busy festive season, which is literally around the corner, and they'll probably tell you it's already too late for you to book your tickets. But the sooner you can get onto it, the better. I'm joined by Kirby Gordon. He is the Chief Marketing Officer of Fly Safe. Kirby, it's good to chat to you again. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Kirby, before we get into uh, matters of aviation and travel, uh, your predictions for the Springboks at the World Cup? Uh, you know, we're going to take it all the way home, man. We have to. Come on, let's do it. Second time around. <laughs> all right, well, get those planes ready for the, what's it, the homecoming tour or the homecoming celebrations. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I was, you know, I'm kind of tempted. I think we might break a few rules, probably sponsor rules and or civil aviation rules, but I wouldn't mind. If the Springboks do get through to the finals, can you imagine if we can do one of those flyovers like we did at Loftus? That would be absolutely epic. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> so that would be truly, <laughs> truly amazing. I'll see what I can do. Well, Kirby, you and I, we sat down a while back uh, chatting about uh, the ticket prices uh, ahead of the December break. And this was obviously quite a big thing last year because we were in a situation where Comair had just sort of folded. There was a lot of demand, not enough supply. A lot of the domestic airlines had to sort of reshuffle, get aircraft in, create more capacity. Uh, there was a, a spike in prices. People were losing their mind. They were thinking, oh, 16th of December, it's costing me so much money to fly to Plett, Durban and all these other places. What's the picture looking like for 2023 December? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you've summed up the sort of story of the last year and a bit um, quite succinctly. I mean, that was very much the reality. We saw one of the major players leave towards uh, sort of at about May of last year. And then there's been this kind of uh, this this process of, of, of the domestic airlines really trying to capture as much of the market as they can and fill that gap. You know, wherever there's an opportunity for any company in any industry to to, to get in there and actually, um, you know, make a bit of money out of it, of course, you know, the free market will prevail and, and that'll happen. And so, you know, we've been active trying to do that all of us and and we're sort of at a great point now where the market is we're we're at roughly about 80 percent of the domestic seat capacity the supply that we had in 2019 the sort of proverbial pre-covid number more importantly i think what's relevant is that that's uh, that's seeing the market in a sort of stasis now so what we're seeing is we're seeing that supply actually meeting the demand and unfortunately, the, the sort of sad part of that story is that the demand is down, which is to be expected, given the fact that we've, you know, all been struggling economically. The folks have got kind of a little bit less disposable income thanks to high interest rates and the increasing cost of living. Um, but the, the the good news is that for consumers, the market is healthy. There's no longer that supply constraint. Um, and so what that should mean is that going well from here on outwards, actually, prices will be very much more set by that market where that supply meets that demand. 16th of December, Alex, is still going to be expensive. I mean, it's always the peak period. You know, it's going to be crazy. That is the reality. That's how the that's how the market works. That's how the industry works. So, you know, you got to you got to box smart to get yourself a, a way around that and save a few bob either, you know, leave a few days early or a few days late. Uh, but on the whole, the, the, you know, things should actually really stabilize now. Well, I was going to touch on that because I think that came out of that round table when we, we were sitting down saying that the economics of airline tickets and travel still remain the same. Uh, there's a supply and demand issue. There's so many seats that you've got uh, that you can take people to. Uh, the less seats there are, the prices ramp up the closer you get to the popular dates. You mentioned don't fly on the 16th, try and fly on the 12th or the 13th and take your laptop or whatever it is and try and work from wherever you're going. Going. Or the other big thing is book your tickets right now. I mean, yeah. it's probably already too late now. You should have booked it in May already. But but the sooner you can book your tickets and then make a plan if you need to shuffle it around closer to the time. But but the sooner you get into the game, the better. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the, those those who sort of have a little bit of a background in economics will will know the old proverbial thing that we always talk about the supply curve and the demand curve. And the reality is that in our um, you know, in our industry, supply is quite sticky, right? I mean, it takes a lot to add additional capacity into into the market. You know, you got to train pilots, you got to train cabinet attendants, you got to find and buy aircraft, you got to get them certified. So, so you know that that sort of um, that that parameter moves quite slowly and and quite and with a bit of difficulty. And that's the one that's really like normalized and adjusted now, which is what we needed to see. Demand, on the other hand, in, in our industry, it fluctuates on a day-to-day basis. And I mean, as you say, that demand for those peak periods, you know, when everyone gets on holiday and everyone wants to get away, that's when it's going to be absolutely insane. On an idle Tuesday in the middle of winter when the kids are at school and there's not much else happening, you know, we can't actually give away tickets to to fill up aircraft. And, and so that reality in that market will always come into play and, and will still be the, 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 the factor that consumers will face. But that's what we need as an aviation industry. I mean, that's how the game of aviation works passenger aviation is you have periods that are low um, where you often make a loss and you need to just carry that through and then you have periods where you know there's high demand and you're able to what we call yield a little bit higher and offset those other spaces because unfortunately we can't just own aircraft and hire pilots when it's kind of convenient to do so um it's not a sort of pay-as-you-go scenario on the supply side so you know we've got to have that aircraft the whole time if I remember the numbers correctly, I think pre-COVID, uh, you commanded about 24% of the market. If you look at the entire uh, domestic flying market, all the different locations averaged out. And I'm sure there's an algorithm that you've got to work that out. That was 24%. Post-COVID, you're now sitting at 67%. So you've uh, really gained market share uh, in the market. But like they say, heavy is the head that wears the crown. What, what does that mean in terms of your preparations now that you've become uh, a very significant player in the domestic uh, space? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's been an amazing opportunity and an amazing growth trajectory. I think we, you know, we've we've rested now for about two months, but prior to this, we added fourteen aircraft over fourteen months, which was a which was a, a massive um, energy on our side to try and get that that space and to fill that market gap. Um, and it's been great to do that. So it's obviously now facing the reality of being a much larger organization. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at this point to to just sort of normalize as we reach the stage. I don't think there's a lot more scope given the demand that's out there to add a whole lot more aircraft onto a schedule. So we're going to use this opportunity now to consolidate and to really kind of batten down the hatches, make sure that we're watching all of those cost parameters, make sure that we're using this new scale to find the efficiencies that we can to drive costs down and drive down those fares um, and ensure that we can actually come to market with some Thing as strong as what we had before, if not even better. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, Kobe Gordon. He's the Chief Marketing Officer there at Fly Safair. And uh, if you have ever needed a starting gun to say it's time to plan your uh, vacation or your end of your holiday or your trip to visit family, this is it. Take this moment, get onto the website right now and start planning your holidays because if you leave it too late, you're either going to be left without a seat or you'll be left with a seat that's going to cost you uh, a fair bit more than what you were planning to spend. It's the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a quick musical break. More of the Santon Times Hour right after this. Back for more? The Santon Times Hour continues. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 with Whitney Houston, and I want to dance with somebody. And if that song doesn't get you in the mood for anything, then I don't know what will. And uh, we're going to touch on Whitney in a few minutes. Uh, But first... Let me remind you about the show notes. And uh, my name is Alexander Leipner. And if you've heard anything on this show and you can't remember the details, you didn't write down the website address or the phone number or something like that, don't worry. We're going to put it up all on the santantimes.co.za and you can uh, get that information uh, at your own leisure during the week. 
and uh, you'll never miss out on anything. And also don't forget that you can also follow us on at Santon Times on whatever social media platform you are on. We're there and you can get the details then. Also feel free to connect, reach out and share your thoughts and feedback. Now, an interesting thing that's happened, uh, talking about travel before the break, uh, there's been another sort of one of these disasters in terms of uh, travel agents. And I'm thrilled to be joined by Davina Haripasad. She is a business and data journalist with The Citizen. And she did a story on this. And uh, Davina, it's great to have you on the Santon Times Hour. Thank you for having me. So Davina, tell me a little bit more about Priority Escapes. Uh, they were a travel agency, from what I understand, that uh, specifically offered tremendous uh, trips to places like the Maldives. They had chartered flights. I mean, they were doing pretty well for a couple of years. And then suddenly, over the last couple of uh, weeks slash months, uh, this all went uh, pear-shaped. Yes. So, uh, Priority Escapes, they uh, marketed themselves as Maldives specialists. And their key feature was that they had access to direct flights from South Africa to uh, the Maldives. So, it was a draw factor for a lot of people. And they've been operating for a few years. From the people I have spoken to, a lot of them found Priority Escapes through referrals. So it was a friend who would say, um, listen, I've been on a, on a trip organized by this company and it seemed pretty reputable. So a lot of people booked their trips with via this travel agent. Davina, how did you come across the story? Did you have people reaching out to you? Yeah, so actually what happened was I was at the police station getting a document certified. And while I was there, I, I saw... A woman, she was, I think she might have been a nurse or she was in the medical field because she was in scrubs. And she had come to lay the complaint. And I heard about uh, her plight and she had lost around 230,000 with uh, priority escapes. And I, well, I spoke to her at that point and I uh, empathized with her and she told me what had happened. And I didn't really follow up much more on that. It was only much later when another friend of mine uh, had messaged me and said, uh, hey, this is blowing up on social media. This guy also just, he just took his money as well and never came back with the booked flights or anything of that sort. And I realized, you know what, this is, he's actually been scamming a lot of people. So when I published the first story, I've got a lot of feedback of people saying, hey, who come in, who are coming to the party and saying, hey, you know, he scammed me of this much and this much. And doing the research, we've seen that, you know, in uh, this WhatsApp group with around 25 people, I think, in the WhatsApp group that who have been scammed by this guy. And collectively, uh, he's taken around 10 million from them. Mm. So when I went, I used the Wayback Machine to, to trace the uh, website again. And when I went back to the website to look at some of the holidays he was um, he was advertising, a lot of them were very underpriced. So I assumed at some point he was paying out of pocket for these holidays. When I checked in with people, they said that a number of their friends had said that they booked with him and they went and they had actually gone on their holidays. But I don't think he, he I think he honored some holidays. I think he didn't honor the others. Well, when I checked in with the police to to get an official statement, uh, they said to me that uh, the earliest cases registered against uh, this um, this owner of the company was in 2021. Hmm. I think it's been going on for quite some time. It's just that now it's been in the public 
view of things. It's a very similar story to what we'd heard with uh, another travel agency, which had uh, also gone a, a similar route in terms of uh, people suddenly finding themselves without a trip and without, you know, an out-of-pocket company called Hello Darlings. Uh, do you find that these were quite similar stories or are they quite different? They're extremely similar. It was the same issue. Also, the director of that company, Tasneem Mula, or Musa, she, uh, they, she was known as Taz. Uh, she also disappeared. It's the same with the director of this company that seems to have also just disappeared. There are fraud cases against him, but we also haven't heard of uh, his arrest. So we're not sure if he's still in the country or not, uh, which is very similar to the case of Taz, who disappeared with people's monies while uh, she promised them holidays. It's quite frightening, actually, because if you think about a trip to the Maldives, it's not a, a cheap mm-hmm. trip to make. And uh, this company mm-hmm. was based in, in Greater Santon. I think it's in four ways. And they did have a lot of advertising, I think billboards. Uh, but one of the other big mm-hmm. things that both these uh, agencies did also use a lot were celebrity influencers. So you had uh, a lot of well-known faces that were sitting on exotic beaches. Uh, in this case, you know, the Maldives. Uh, raving about the fantastic holiday they were having. And I think a lot of people were taken by that. Yes. So it was a former Miss South Africa. And I mean, when you look at that sort of credibility that's attached to this brand, you think, okay, fine, it's celebrity endorsed. It's pretty incredible. And that kind of added to people's uh, uh, trust in the brand, and uh, which is why so many of them went this route to to purchase their holidays with this this brand with um trusting them from the perspective that uh, celebrities were using them as well. Yeah, yeah. And look, in all fairness, I mean, as I say, on the one hand, it's a high risk uh, strategy for the uh, business to take on celebrities because you never quite know what they're going to get up to. On the other hand, the celebrities aren't doing any sort of due diligence on the company they're dealing with. And when something like this happens, they're suddenly pulled into the entire thing as well. But it is uh, maybe a warning shot in terms of uh, being careful as to what you uh, absorb in terms of social media and how these influences influence you to part with your money. Well, it's certainly a, a, a warning to everybody if you're planning your holidays if you're looking to go somewhere at the end of the year just be careful how you do it who you deal with and i suppose in this particular instance it's very difficult to almost prejudge it because you said a lot of people were getting referrals from friends who had had good experiences there was a good track or a record at some point but uh, at this point the music stopped and some people were left without a chair it is it is heartbreaking to think that there are people who've spent an absolute fortune uh, wanting to go on holiday and then found themselves out of pocket and without a holiday. And I'm sure in some instances, we're talking about honeymoons, anniversaries, and all these things that people celebrate when they do go to the Maldives. And um, yeah, we're going to keep an eye on the story and uh, hopefully also get uh, some finalization or some more insights into it. But uh, Davina Hariparsad, a business and data journalist with The Citizen, uh, experienced in the finance industry, I thank you for making the time to be with me on the Santon Times Hour. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. Right, it's time to chat to some local talent. When I say local, I'm talking about uh, Greater Santon, and I'm thrilled to be joined by a uh, new up-and-coming talent, 16-year-old Emma Temlett. She goes to school at uh, Red Hill High School in Santon, and uh, she's released a a single uh, that we're going to play in a couple of minutes' time. I'm going to chat to her first. Emma, it's great to have you on the Santon Times Hour. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, listen, congratulations on your uh, first release, your debut single, uh, Claustrophobic. Thank you. Uh, can you tell me a little yeah. bit more, what's the inspiration behind uh, a song? I mean, most people are quite upset if they're claustrophobic, but uh, for you, it seems to be uh, <laughs> a bit of a hit. Yeah, so um, 
I wrote claustrophobic around friendships because I feel like in today's time, most songs are romance songs and I, I love that. But nobody really talks about the issues of friendship where that's the point where I was struggling in my life. So the lyrics are all about loving so somebody so much that you make them feel claustrophobic and, you know, like overwhelmed. There's no space for anything else, hence the lyrics. And so, yeah, writing is just kind of my way to get these emotions out and hopefully others can relate and it, it heals them. Yeah. Well, it's quite impressive to come up with a track like that. I mean, at 16, most people are still trying to figure out uh, what to do with life, never mm. mind uh, trying to figure out relationships. Mm. But you've also worked with producer Daniel Barron, who isn't uh, an unfamiliar uh, name in the space of music and entertainment. Uh, what was that like? It was incredible. It was the best experience. As you know, Daniel, he's just such a down-to-earth person, as well as extremely talented. And we got on immediately. And he was such a good teacher since I'm so young, and this is my first time doing it. He sat with me through every step. He, he didn't let me feel confused or out of the loop. And honestly, I, I mean, I've never been happier when I was in the studio with him. Amazing. And he's a great talent. He's released some fantastic tracks. But I think, I mean, especially with you, and I, and I can kind of relate to this because uh, at one point uh, I used to present KTV, but I came into KTV at a very late stage of my career. But uh, when I wanted to first go into television, uh, my parents said, well, there's no way you're going to be presenting television at 16 when you've still got to go to school. You've got to now uh, put together an album and uh, balance academic commitments. How, how do you even start doing that? So I think everybody has their hobbies, right? To some people, their hobbies are academic, so they will put all their time and effort into that. But doing something you you love just re-energizes you, and it's kind of like your outlet, like I said earlier. So my music is a way to let my creativity flow and kind of recharge, and so I don't struggle with balancing um, academics with my music, because in a way, it works together. My music is me, and I am my music, so... Yeah, I think I couldn't actually do as well in school if it wasn't for that. Well, I mean, you're really putting yourself out there on the line. That's the thing, you know, with being creative. You, uh, it's like you said, it's it's a part of you, and you are part of the music. And uh, how do you how do you start managing those emotions, those nerves, and that excitement uh, as you put out this song and also a, an album in 2024? Yeah. I think the nerves around the song was I just really wanted people to love it and to hear it for exactly what it was because it's so authentic to myself. And every lyric that I've written in Claustrophobic is exactly how I felt at that point in time and how I have been feeling. So I'm really keen on the fact that I want to keep writing authentic lyrics with catchy, you know, melodies that people can enjoy. But I think I don't I don't necessarily get nervous around the fact because I think as soon as you start getting stressed or anxious around your passion, then it kind of comes to question why are you doing it? And I know the reasons why I'm doing it because I love it and I want people to have that safe space. Um, so I don't really get nervous. But if I do, I always remind myself why I'm doing it. Well, you just performed the song at uh, Red Fest, uh, at the music festival here at Red Hill uh, School, which just took place now in July. Uh, you, I, th I think you performed it for the very first time. Uh, what was it like yeah. uh, being on stage with some really big names, but also performing uh, in front of some of your schoolmates? No, it was incredible. It was more than I could have ever expected. I honestly, like, I just came alive. And I think people could tell that she's just doing what she loves to do. I did a half an hour set, but claustrophobic 
was so well received. The audience knew it. There were kids in the front, teenagers in the middle, adults in the back. So all generations and they loved it. Everyone knew the lyrics and I felt so blessed. Yeah. You're now embarking on putting an entire album together, which uh, is quite a daunting task. I mean, I don't know how many tracks fit onto an album now because it all gets released on uh, on digital. So I don't even know if yeah. track lists make much of a difference. But what what is the rest of the album going to sound like? Is it going to be much more uh, the same as your uh, debut single? Or are you going to be exploring a couple of other uh, sort of directions with the, with the sound? Yeah. So the goal is to release an EP album, which is kind of a mini album, about four or five, probably five songs. Um, and right now I feel most like I want to make this a pop album. So there'll be some upbeat songs, definitely to dance, um, some authentic songs, because some of my inspiration is Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish. And I love a good ballad. Um, so, you know, I think you can just expect good vibes and good music. And yeah, I'm super excited for it. Oh, fantastic. Well, listen, good luck with it. Uh, what's some advice do you have for uh, you know young women your age? I mean, some people are just scared to be on TikTok and, and Instagram, never mind uh, put mm-hmm. themselves out there with a full album and singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of advice do you have yeah. for them? My advice is it's pretty generic, but it's so true. Don't let people put you down for what you love to do. Most of the time, if they have, like try to comment on what you're doing, it's just because they're jealous that they don't have the courage to go out and do it. And so post that TikTok, post that Instagram reel, put yourself out there because people will recognize it. I was quite nervous to post my first TikTok and it blew up. We got 200,000 views on TikTok. People were loving it. And obviously there's going to be people that don't support you, but you have to focus on the overwhelming positive aspect of it and just keep doing what you love doing because at the end of the day, we all have talents and we should all use them. Well, there you have it. Emma Temlett uh, going to school here at Red Hill High School. She's just released her first uh, single, which we're going to have a listen to right now. It's claustrophobic. And uh, Emma, thank you so much for joining me on the Santon Times Hour. We're going to take a quick musical break and more of the Santon Times Hour right after this. Follow the Santon Times on social media. At Santon Times. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8. And that was uh, Emma Temlett with Claustrophobic. And I think it's a fantastic track. And it's great to see young talent emerging out of Greater Santon. And uh, let's see what else comes from that. Talking about great talent coming out of Greater Santon, but more so out of South Africa. I'm thrilled to be joined by Belinda Davids. She's doing a show called The Greatest Love of All, a tribute to Whitney Houston at the Joburg Theatre. And it runs up until the 10th of September. And uh, Belinda, you probably have heard her. I mean, if you haven't, I don't know where you've been because uh, she's been uh, all over YouTube. I mean, she was uh, famously on uh, Got Talent uh, and uh, did unbelievably well with a golden buzzer. And uh, Belinda, how would you describe your relationship with Whitney Houston and her music? Because that's really who you embody when you stand on stage. Intimate is what comes to mind. I, I have seen like like fans, like proper fans of Mariah Carey. I've seen some proper fans of Beyonce. And being, I think we are the same generation. I would like to think that we are the same generation and the generation of Whitney Houston, that era. And let me tell you something. I was obsessed with her, obsessed with her. I wish she had a name for for her fans, you know, like Mariah Carey has lambs, the, the lambs, and Beyonce has the beehive. Maybe I need to create my own, but it's very intimate. That's all I have to say about that. 
It's it's quite remarkable. I mean, I've I've heard you perform uh, live, and it, and you really do just absolutely uh, hit the notes. I mean, you 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 at one point you're sort of not quite sure exactly if you're watching Belinda or if you're watching Whitney because you really do nail it so well and you know and it's so sad in so many instances because we've had such great talents leave us so early and to be able to still have some sort of taste of of what it was like especially for the generations who didn't live through uh, those great times when they were still touring and doing live shows it's quite remarkable and I mean it's 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 quite amazing that uh, you haven't gotten tired of performing Whitney Houston songs I don't think I ever will you know, if you look at where the world is with music today, you know, and I'm specifically talking about pop artists, urban pop artists, hip hop artists, the newer hip hop artists, I'm a piano. Now, okay, I don't even want to throw in I'm a piano in there because, you know, that's, this is our, I'm a piano belongs to South Africa, you know, I'm a piano belongs to us. Yeah. But if you look at where music is in the world today, I think that Whitney Houston is someone that you want to go back to. I don't think I'll ever get bored of her music, ever get bored of doing her music even. Yeah. She was so ahead of her time. And it's just certain songs that uh, are, are absolutely timeless. I mean, you hear them time and time again, and you and you never get tired of them. Uh, one of which I played a little bit earlier on, which is uh, uh, Dance With Somebody. It's just got a great feel. Yeah. I mean, you, you can never be in a bad mood when you listen to that particular track. Do you have a favorite Whitney Houston song that you listen to time and time again and just never get tired of? No, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I always find myself skipping to the next and skipping to the next and going, oh my God, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember where I was with this song. You know, it's hard to say. In the show, I have nothing. I love doing the song. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's beautiful. It's big. Love doing the song every time. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, especially with songs like Whitney Houston's uh, portfolio that has some very deep, meaningful life experience kind of songs, it almost feels like you need to break it down verse by verse and actually sort of dig quite deep and unearth the minerals that are in these songs because definitely you, you don't, otherwise, you don't really get the full sort of essence of, of the songs that they, you know, and what they communicate. Definitely. I mean, every song that I think she wrote the soundtracks of our lives, you know, if you think about it, you know, you think about where do broken hearts go? Who the heck thought of where do broken hearts go? Where do they go? I don't know. It doesn't matter because it was sang so beautifully that I was breaking up with my boyfriend at the time and I was listening to where do broken hearts go. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? She had incredible songwriters behind her. She did. Absolutely, yeah. So, so if people haven't been to the to your show before, I mean, it's a show that you've been touring with. Uh, what can people expect uh, from uh, this particular show? The way she was on stage. This is how. This is. It's a musical concert. It's not a musical of her time or her lifetime. It was a mus- It's a musical concert. You get on stage. I mean, you get to the show and you see that it's all of the number one hits. You hear all of the number one hits from the beginning of a career right up until the end of a career. The costume changes the way she did it. The live band behind us. The visual is as amazing as the whole show itself. You know, it's an experience. I think it's an experience that you have to come and see. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Did you ever get a chance to uh, to to interact with Whitney at any point? Uh, I mean, uh, you would have probably been quite young at that at, at that stage, but did you ever get a chance to to sort of get close? No, I never got a chance to get close. I think I could probably tell you that 
when she was in South Africa, I was in Dubai. I was traveling and I was working in Dubai. You know, when she was in America, I was in Hong Kong. You know, uh, so it was, it's, it, it didn't work out. And I'm really okay with that. You know, of course, every, every artist wants to meet their idol, mm. but it didn't work out. And I'm okay with that. You know, I, I have extreme memories of her that's going to stay with me forever. Yeah. I mean, you, you were a great success already before uh, the entire uh, Got Talent exposure that you did get. But, uh, I mean, I'd almost hesitate to say that it was, uh, it, you know, that it didn't add anything to your to your career. I assume it was probably catapulted you into a slightly different level or a slightly different level of exposure because it is just such a well-watched and well-distributed show. Yeah, BGT, of course. It's a massive platform. Massive platform. And, yes, definitely that show did not make our show famous mm. it didn't catapult my career into the next level it's an accolade it's an accolade but i'll tell you one thing when i go back to the uk every time after bgt it sells out which i think speaks for itself doesn't it i mean it, it's such a massive platform well, there you have it. And uh, before this show sells out, make sure you get yourself a ticket to The Greatest Love of All, a tribute to Whitney Houston there with Belinda Davids at the Joburg Theatre. And I'm thrilled that she's joined me here on the Santon Times Iron. Belinda, all the best for the, for the rest of the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that's it for another Stanton Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and always available on all good podcast platforms. If you want to get in touch, you can email editor at stantontimes.co.za or connect on social media at Stanton Times or visit the website www.stantontimes.co.za and feel free to send through your comments, your questions, your feedback. Always welcome. Thank you to all my guests who made the time to be on the show this week as well as Vincenzo who, uh, yeah, Vincenzo, you're always doing that audio thing that you do and uh, yeah. What more can I say? Thank you so much. Thank you to the Santon Times team as well as everyone at Mix 93.8. And thank you to you for listening. And let's connect again next week. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Santon Times Hour. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to share it. 